Welcome to the Human Experience Podcast, the only podcast designed to fuse your left and right brain hemispheres and feed it the most entertaining and mentally engaging topics on the planet. As we approach our ascent, please make sure your frontal, temporal and occipital lobes are in their full upright position. As you take your seat of consciousness, relax your senses and allow us to take you on a journey. We are the Intimate Strangers. Thank you for listening. The human experience is putting the mindfulness back into your everyday with my guests, Pyle Karana and Elliot Larkin of Find Mindfulness. Pyle, Elliot, welcome to HXP. Thank you. Thank you, Xavier. So before we get into what Find Mindfulness is, if you could both just give us a short synopsis of your backgrounds, what are your respective stories? The question I'm asking is, who are you? Pyle, why don't you start us off? Okay. So a little bit about me. I came to America um, when I was two years old. My parents brought me over here. They shipped me over here when I was two years old from India. Um, So, you know, I was raised in an American society, but with an Indian Eastern background. Um, I was taught a lot of the Eastern traditions, and I was also at the same time, told to live a very, quote-unquote, successful, monetarily monetarily life. Um, So, you know, I I followed my parents' directions, and they kind of gave me a become a lawyer, doctor, or an engineer, and I chose to become an engineer. And so to keep this a little shorter, um, I lived in corporate America for about eight years of my life. And I kind of realized there wasn't, my heart wasn't happy. So I left it all behind. I left behind a a six figure salary and decided to try something of my own and started a a startup incubator with um, a good college friend of mine. And throughout all of that, I've, I've really just tried to stay aware of myself. And I think within that journey, um, luckily I've found the path of focusing on awareness. So right now, that's where we're at, is doing the incubator and working on fine mindfulness. Very cool. And Elliot, what about yourself? So I came from a background, a very wealthy family in South Florida. And growing up, I had essentially everything I could have ever wanted. And, you know, I graduated from the University of Florida with a degree in art history and management. And while I was in college, I kind of had a really difficult time assimilating to the lifestyle I was in. And everyone around me seemed to be having a good time with the, the things that they were doing but I felt kind of out of place and having everything I I could have ever wanted. I was wondering what was going to bring me happiness. And I stumbled upon a couple books that began to, to change my life and look inward and go into mindfulness. And I ended up meeting Pyle and working on fine mindfulness with her. Very cool. Okay, so moving on right into your mindfulness project, Pyle, if you could just 
give us a brief introduction of what you guys are doing at Fine Mindfulness and maybe a history of how you got into doing what you're doing? Sure, definitely. Um, thanks for that question because, you know, telling my story, it, it's so hard to leave out such big parts of mindfulness but and without saying who I am. Um, but the way this all kind of came about was, you know, starting that journey of wanting to look within when I was, I would say, in my early 20s, maybe even late teens. And, you know, constantly trying to look externally, but realizing that it was really about looking within. And, um, you know, honing my practice throughout the years. And as I started this incubator, one of the things that I noticed working with all these entrepreneurs is, you know, they're constantly overwhelmed by the external. They were, you know, always stressed out about what was the next thing they had to do for their startup, focusing on family, focusing on friends. Like there was all these things that they were constantly juggling and they never took the time to step inside themselves. And so, you know, for me, in that moment, I, I kind of looked at it as an opportunity. Um, I'm always helping a lot of friends with, you know, discovering mindfulness. And, and it was kind of like, well, I'm already doing this, so why not, you know, share this gift? And it, it actually came, comes down to kind of one moment. So I'm hanging out with a bunch of my friends, um, one of them being an entrepreneur who is the CEO of a 100-person company. And he's pitching a new idea to us. And he's all over the place. He's kind of like, um, um, you know, really not in himself, not confident. And another friend of mine who knows that I've been passionate about meditation, and she suggested, she was like, hey, why don't you two go in a corner and meditate? for about three minutes and come back. So we did, you know, I took him to a corner, led him through a quick meditation, grounded him, and we came back and he meditated, uh, he pitched again. And he was a whole nother person. You know, he was confident, he was clear, he was concise, he was, you know, he believed what he was saying, and we could see it, and we could feel it. And so it was just a whole different person, and this was a five-minute difference. And in that moment was when I was like, okay, you know, all these tools, they can be helpful to these entrepreneurs. So I created a shell of a, a four-week program, and I sat on it for for about six, seven months, you know, I was doing all these other things. And um, one day we held a, a kind of a job fair at Starter Space, the incubator that I co-founded. And in walks Elliot. And we're just, you know, talking. And, and you know, he didn't seem to be that interested in what was happening at Starter Space. So <laughs> I just asked him, I was like, hey, so what are you passionate about? And the first thing out of his mouth was meditation. And it is just so interesting to me that how kind of life happens and things line up. Because in that moment, you know, it was, it was so quick for me to say, hey, well, I have this program that I've been working on. Would you be interested in helping me? And it was a very quick yes. 
And, you know, we got together and we poured hours and days and our hearts into this program. And I will let you, um, I'll let him give a little bit of his perspective as well. But that was, that was how it all came together. Hmm. So it sounds like you had a very serendipitous moment there with uh, finding Elliot. Very cool. Uh, so if we could just get, let's just get right into it. Let's dig into it. What is the DNA of mindfulness? How does it work? Let's puzzle this together for our listeners. So I feel like mindfulness, first and foremost, is about awareness, being aware of your body, aware of your thoughts, your emotions, and aware of what's going on around you in the external environment. And so you have to be able to have a desire to change the status quo because so often we find ourselves in habit patterns of waking up, um, you know, brushing our teeth, going to work, coming back, and doing the same pattern. It, it almost makes it easy to be on autopilot and not challenge um, ourselves. And mindfulness is, in essence, being aware of what you're doing when you're doing it. And there's another aspect of it that I'd like Pyle to speak about right now. Definitely. Um, so, you know, when, when I think of the DNA, it, it is this awareness, right? And it's this awareness of being present and also looking within. So, you know, I truly believe that we're all born with a compass, an inner compass. And that if we were, we were thrown into, we were thrown into a forest without our digital phones that we carry around with us, without an actual physical compass, we would know which way to go. I truly, with every cell in my body, believe that. Um, but the thing is, is we all get socialized. We all, you know, we have our families, we have our friends, we, we have everyone constantly, all these external things kind of telling us what we want, what, what to do. And, you know, they're constantly influencing our, our compass and we kind of lose touch with that. So, you know, I think one of the biggest parts, the, the DNA of, of mindfulness is being able to get back to that, to be able to be able to tap back into that inner compass to a way back to our, our true selves. I like that. I mean, do you, do you guys feel like mindfulness is becoming or meditation even is becoming more and more commonplace? I mean, why do you think there's, there's such a big paradigm shift towards being more mindful? I mean, the East has been doing this for thousands of years. What makes you think the West is finally catching up? That's so such a beautiful question because mindfulness is trending in America and around the world right now because of how our society is progressing. People now have access to way more than they did 100 years ago, and they have constant stimulation. There's so many choices. One would think that our quality of life would be at an all-time high, but if you look at statistics, they're showing higher rates of depression, so severe that it drives many Americans to suicide. If you take uh, one of American, America's idols, Robin Williams, for example, someone who everyone thought um, 
was just a, a happy person and someone that everyone looked at with such reverence and how he um, was not able to handle his depression and, and how that his whole life, you know, all the stimulation and everything ended up ending his life. I, I, I agree with Elliot. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> if you think about it, like, like you said, the East has been doing this for years. And I personally think the West was possibly naturally doing it before, before the iPhone kind of got thrown in, into our lives. And now if you notice, like more and more Americans are constantly tapped out of themselves and into their phones on the internet, you know, it's just constantly having to be turned on. Like you can, you can be reached at any time now. And how often are people actually present, you know, in a line in a grocery store and not looking at their phone? How often are they having, you know, I don't know if you, you guys pay attention to this, but when you go to restaurants now, is people are just looking down at their phones. There's a group of five people and they're looking at their phones. And that all being said, it just, it brings this need for mindfulness now. Because people are like, how do I turn it off? And mindfulness is such a great tool to turn it off. Hmm, you know, I, I really find your answers very to the point and I like that. So, but I think there needs to be a distinction between made between mindfulness and meditation. I mean, are, because they're not the same thing, are are they? No, they're not. Um, I, I meditation is a tool to allow us to be more mindful, and that's the the biggest thing. Is mindfulness is something that we practice during our you know entire day. We don't you know this idea that meditation is, you know, it, it's this thing that we do to get us to be more aware. Right. Yep. So what do you guys, I mean, what is the practical, what do you guys think the impact can be? Like, what do you, what, what have you seen in your own lives from practicing mindfulness? Do you want to go first, Elliot? Yeah. So I guess I can take my own example. Um, you know, before when I would get home, I would feel like I would want to turn on the TV and distract myself just to to relax. And I felt like so so much heaviness and fatigue coming home from work and this just desire just to get home and just waiting for the weekend. Um, and I guess once I started practicing more mindfulness, um, I started to see a space in where I had a decision. So instead of maybe going directly to that TV and to uh, the refrigerator to kind of numb myself, I had a moment of clarity where I could be like, hey, this is one option, but this doesn't have to be how it is. And I was able to make a decision, okay, maybe I could go for a walk or prepare a nice dinner for a friend. Or, you know, maybe I'm recognizing, hey, I'm feeling really unclear right now. I'm going to go take a few minutes to be by myself and just relax and meditate and then come back out and interact with the world and all the things that are unfolding. And 
I just I see that as an incredible change, and and also it's made me a lot more efficient in my work, a lot less wasting time. Don't need to follow through um, and go through Facebook all the time anymore, and things like that. Definitely, I I agree with a lot of what Elliot's saying. Impact wise, it just it allows us to recognize these patterns that we have. You know, it's it's sometimes it's hard to see these patterns because we're do we've been doing them for years, and mindfulness gives us that that awareness. Um, so you'll hear awareness a lot in this conversation, and to me, like one of the the biggest impacts that it's have had on my life is is stepping out of stories that you know we we can create like our minds can be so crazy at times you know it's it's kind of like one thing happens and we turn it into like a tornado is going to show up in 2 minutes you know it, and the best way i can describe that is you know i send a text message to a friend and they don't respond right away. And I'm used to them responding right away. And for some reason, all of a sudden, I create this story that this person is mad at me and I don't know why they're not responding. And oh my gosh, I'm a horrible person and I don't deserve friends. And, you know, it's this chatter that this mind creates. And, and so I, I feel like mindfulness allows, a, it comes back to this awareness to be like, oh, you know, you know, that same story again, it would be, I send a text to a friend. Um, she doesn't reply. And if I start the pattern of the story of, oh, she's mad at me, I'm able to recognize, oh, wait, I'm, I'm creating a story. I don't know if she's mad at me. Like, how about I pick up the phone and call her? Or how about I just patiently wait? So it's that recognition of the story that we're creating versus diving deep into that story. Hmm. I really like that. And, you know, there, there seems to be a sort of Buddhist tangent to what you guys are doing. Buddha had this quote that said something like, you know, do not dwell in the past, do not dream of the future, concentrate the mind on the present moment. And it really seems that you guys are doing that with, with your program. So, I guess my next question is, you know, what what can people expect from signing up? I mean, why should a person like me, I meditate and I'd like to, I'd like to think I'm mindful, but why should I sign up for your course? I mean, why what what do you guys what exactly are people to expect from from signing up? Well, I personally think it's it's easy. Um, well, sorry, it's hard sometimes to start a new habit on your own, you know, um, to get the biggest benefit, it's to do things consistently. And if we want to change our lives in any way, we have to be willing to do things we haven't done before. So, you know, doing a program like Find Mindfulness, it's, we have a community, you know, you have multiple people doing this at the same time as you. So there's an energy there and there's a support there. So I think that's one of the number one things. And they're all doing it at the same time as you in the sense of we're all in the same flow together. Um, and it's, you know, it's committing to the space, the space of an exploration and the space to examine like 
what you think about most, what you feel the most. Um, you know, we've created four weeks that each week has a theme and we send over some pretty, I, I'm biased, but pretty amazing meditations. Uh, Elliot, as you can tell, has an amazing voice. Um, so, you know, I think they they get to experience this four-week program that we've spent a lot of time on content with, but with people that are on their same level. Okay. Who... Who are, and this goes to Elliot, who are your influences? I mean, both of you can answer this, but Elliot first, who are your influences, entrepreneurs, maybe leaders, some of the people who have changed, changed your perspective on your thinking and evolved the way you see the world? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, the first person who I was introduced to in terms of mindfulness was a man named uh, Dan Millman with his book, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. And the reason this related to me so much was because I was in college at the time and this story is about a college student who gets to see what his life would be like if he continues on the path that he was on. And I really resonated with that and it's, it scared me. And so I started reading other books like, um, by authors like Eckhart Tolle, uh, The Power of Now, and Michael Singer's The Untethered Soul. And these people were all talking about the same thing. And it's, they're talking about that awareness and that you have the power to, to make your own future and by being present right now and that you don't have to just go along with the status quo all the time. And it makes me think of uh, more recent people who have taken up the cause for mindfulness, like Russell Brand, who's literally just reading pages of these authors on his his podcast and Oprah who's having them in uh, for interviews and it's just really neat for me to see people with such power using it to help others to, to gain tools to take take control of their own lives hmm. and I, I want to echo Elliot's Eckhart Tolle um, a new earth was a huge uh, influence on me and the way he calls out the ego and, you know, explains how our ego takes over at times, um, I think is, is beautiful. And it's, you know, it's mindfulness that gives you that awareness to when your ego is speaking or when it's truly you. Um, and then another person that was a huge influence on me was Elizabeth Gilbert. And I, I think that's kind of controversial because she's not, you know, a quote-unquote mindful leader, but she was super vulnerable in Eat, Pray, Love. And she shared her experience on experimenting with meditation. You know, she flew to India and lived in an ashram and shared how difficult it can be to watch your thoughts. And I, I just, I loved you know, her openness and her, her willingness to get curious. And I think mindfulness does a lot in that, in that respect. Very cool. So what are some of the personal mindful hacks that you can use or, or teach a person, someone like me, or even someone listening to the podcast right now that they can maybe implement into their life right away? Awesome. Um, 
I think so. A couple things uh, we had. What we we did kind of a, a mindful lab uh, a couple of weeks ago, and one of the questions we were asking people is, "What was your first thought this morning?" And I think that's a great tool to ask yourself. You know, some people couldn't answer what their first thought was, and that is an insight in itself is you're not paying attention to that is sometimes we're just jumping up, grabbing our phone, getting on our email. It's not allowing that space. So what I'd say is, hey, give it a shot, you know, for the next week, you know, pay attention to what is your first thought and see how it affects, you know, just pay attention to how it affects the rest of your day. Um, Another one I would say is to use triggers something like opening a door so when you turn the knob to take a take a breath and take that that little moment that you have to take a breath and come back into your body and you know wherever your mind is wandering you know to ask yourself where is my mind right now is it in this room that i'm actually in or is it in the past is it in the future is it you know, in a whole different country that I'm actually existing in right now. Um, so it's asking that question, where is my mind right now at different parts of the day? I love that trigger. I've been working with the trigger of every time I turn on my car, I just pause for a moment and take a deep breath to come back because it just helps so much. And I've also found another trigger that's been Uh, very helpful is using an online meditation timer, which is, you can find that as an online meditation timer.com or an insight meditation uh, phone app where you can set a timer for two hours or an hour with intervals of five minutes or 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And at each interval, there is a gong that goes off just one time. And whenever I hear that gong, I evaluate how I work, how it's, how's everything going? Am I being efficient with my time? Am I um, needing a break or to just take a glass of water or doing some stretches or whatever? And just taking a moment to breathe every time I have that, that interval. So that's very effective. And then most importantly, which is not really a hack, but it's something that everyone can do starting today, is committing to spending five minutes in the morning to just observe the breath. Just observing the inhale and the exhale without looking at the phone, just setting a timer for five minutes in the morning and just doing it each day, whether you want to or not. This is the thing that will make the biggest change in, in our lives. Very cool. So I just want to shift a little bit just to to find out more about you guys so people can learn about who you are. And so, Pyle, this goes to you. If you could go back in time and tell yourself one thing that would change the direction of your life, what would it be? Um, I I love this question. Thanks. Um, I would go back and tell myself to experiment experiment, experiment, experiment. Um, when I look at the way, you know, in my early twenties, you know, even late, you know, teens, the way I kind of took the approach to life is I, I took the, here's the map here. 
this is where you go. Now go. And I didn't ask any questions. I was told to go to college and either be a lawyer, doctor, or an engineer. So I chose one of those. I didn't explore. I didn't even see that there were other majors. I didn't see that I could study other things. I just, I didn't experiment. And then, um, you know, after college, it was go straight into working for a corporation. I, I didn't even try anything else. So I think if experimenting would be a huge thing. And I think that's something that I bring into my daily life now. And Elliot, same, same question. Well, this reminds me of a quote from American Buddhist. Her name is Pema Chodron. And she talked about approaching everything with these three qualities, the quality of gentleness, the quality of patience, and the quality of laughter. And I see in myself that for so long, I, I didn't. I approached life with too much seriousness, with too much rigidity, and just being able to to relax and smile and appreciate the smaller things has made it such an impact in my life and helped me to have more compassion for other people. Now, when I see them coming from a place of uh, you know, maybe being judgmental of themselves. And I appreciate that. Hmm. Excellent. I like both of those. So, Pyle, and but this goes to both of you. Um, what would you say is your biggest fear and your greatest source of strength? Hmm. I think my biggest fear right now is fear of failure. Um, it, it scares me on a daily basis that, you know, all of this that I'm doing is going to just implode in my face and I will fail. But I think my biggest source of strength is being able to continue to act even in that fear, you know, is still showing up and doing the work and regardless of what the outcome will be, just doing what I love. Elliot, and firing it back at you, man. <laughs> okay. So my biggest fear is just getting to the root of it is, is that failure as well. It's, it's needing to, to fulfill the expectations that I feel like have been placed on me. And it's, it's funny that I've, that I've placed them on myself as well. So at first they were to, you know, have a job that my parents always wanted me to have. And after letting that go, I see in myself how I've created this expectation of myself to find peace. And I have a fear of, of not achieving that peace. And I recognize the irony in that. But it's, uh, you know, just a funny thing I notice inside of myself. And then I think the, the biggest strength I have is, is my determination and my drive to always try my best, no matter what I'm doing. Excellent. I love both of those. So uh, where can people find your website and sign up for your course? Um, so it's just at www.findmindfulness.com. And we're on Twitter. Uh, it's Seek Mindfully. And we'd love to you know, have some conversations with people on what their thoughts are on mindfulness and the different experiences that they've had and you know, we'd love to start the conversation. So please reach out. 
Awesome. Well, I just want to thank you guys so much for being on The Human Experience. And I, I really dig what you guys are doing. I think it's great. And I suggest that people go and sign up for your course. Thank you guys both so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. This is The Human Experience, and we are signing out.